word for you, bro. I can't remember your name. I'm sorry. What was your name? Wayne. Wayne. I've got a word for you, Wayne, that um, God wanted to share with you. He wanted to honour how steadfast you are. Um, I, as, as you were worshipping, I saw you standing there, and God just said that's a, a man who recognises pillar and has foundational steadfastness. And um, I don't know um, who you speak into the lives of around you or um, whether or not you have young guys around you, but I just really wanted to honour the discipline that you've had throughout your life um, and the, the almost habitual relationship that you've had with God, that, that, that um, regardless of how you're feeling, God wanted to honour how much you've, you've sat before him and, and honoured him through that process. So, yeah, you're awesome. You're awesome. All right. This is loud. Is this loud? Yeah. All right. Let's just start with the insults, why don't we? Okay. Thank you so much. All right. Let's do this. Rock and roll. Call out to me at quarter past, guys, so that I don't go over. All right. God dropped this um, phrase to me a, a couple of weeks ago as I sat down to write this message. Um, and it has proven to be the premise of the message, which is awesome, and subsequently has also become kind of a challenging point for my spirit over the last couple of weeks. Every time God reminds me of it, I'm dropped back into the space of questioning um, where I am with him and am I in the right spot. So the, the uh, phrase is, you cannot best occupy freedom if you do not first know familiar refuge. I know. It's a big one. So over the next half hour, I want to um, break this phrase down. We're not going to move on from it just yet, so don't panic. Um, stretch it out and exhaust it with the hopes that something from this phrase would stir deep inside of you, both personally and congregationally. If we can be in this, this place congregationally of understanding this, we have, we have some cool ground to take in Te Aumudu. Um, this phrase for me has proven magnetic to the Father heart of God. It constantly like pulls me in. You know those phrases like, I have it with songs. I'm, I love music. When I hear that right song and that right phrase, it doesn't matter what I'm doing or where I am, there's, there's a magnetic pull into the Father's arms. And, and this, this phrase for me this past couple of weeks since God really dropped it in my spirit has been that. And I, I pray that that would do the same for you. So... We're going to sit on this for a little bit, and before I do that, let's pray. Father, I thank you for the opportunity and the privilege that it is to come before you tonight and before your people tonight. Father, I um, humble myself before you. Would you would you grace my words? Would you um, soften them? Would you allow them to to pierce those parts of our hearts that are sometimes unseen? Father, would you um, speak through me in a way that um, would allow each of us to draw closer to your heart. God, would you drop revelation tonight? Would you free people? <laughs> would, you, um, would you challenge us to go deeper and further in you? Amen. We cannot best occupy freedom if you do not first know familiar refuge. Um, I was talking to Dad this afternoon, and he suggested that this phrase... Although very captivating, needed some explaining. So, <laughs> I thanks, Dad. <laughs> um, I am going to explain uh, kind of what, what God's shown me through this. 
um, for a couple of reasons. There are some words in there that we associate differently. All of us associate different things with different words because we grew up differently. So the word refuge, for example, in this case, does not mean the place that we hide from danger in. That's, that's not what this word means. And I think it's easy to hear the word refuge. You know, we hear people say in church, God is our refuge. We hear a song, God is our refuge, our strength. And we, we for me, I associate that with needing to hide from something. And what God's really spoken to me about is that a refuge is a place to live from, not a place to run to. And so as we, as we journey this... I want you to capture that. Um, as with the word freedom, th- this is not a place to a- attain to. It's not a place dictated by how many boundaries are there or not there. Freedom is a place to live from. And, and ultimately, the two can't be had without one another. I think David sums this up really well um, in Psalm 23, which I'm sure if you've been in the church for any length of time, you know very well. But I'm going to read it out. Because I think when David wrote this, for me it was that same magnetic pull to the Father's heart. And I think he was explaining refuge. I think he he was actually, he wrote um, poetically a description of what refuge looks like. And from that place he lived. And, And the way that he writes it is incredibly beautifully descriptive of both freedom and refuge. So I'm going to have a read through it. If you've got your Bibles, jump into it. I like reading through things. That way you know I'm not, like, lying up here or something. Who knows? I could. All right. Psalm 23. (laughs) The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Oh, it's one of my faves. I do think this passage does sum up this phrase for me, you know, that it, it sums up both freedom and refuge. And I think David lived fr- from that place. And it, it is hard to sometimes capture poetic language as, as a, a place to be. It, it sounds really beautiful, but how do you get there? Or how do you live from that space? I think, I think David was walking so closely with God that his language described his place of refuge. Not that he ran to, but that he lived from. And, and I feel incredibly challenged to live from that space because when we do that, God gets to take us on journeys and fear doesn't have a place there. Fear cannot be where Jesus is. And so if I'm walking next to Jesus, I'm not quite sure how fear is about to get in there. That, that, that um, phrase, he guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And then literally the next, the next part of that verse, this isn't by coincidence, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. He guides me, even though I walk through the valley, I fear no evil. Because he's right there. There's, there's nothing between me and Jesus at this point if I'm right next to him, which means fear doesn't have a place there. So as we, as we kind of journey... This, this phrase tonight and this word and what God's put on my heart, I pray that you would hear the words freedom and refuge as places to live from 
and, and not places that are restricted or not places that we run to. Um, if you can capture that, then, then I believe God's going to do something really cool in our hearts tonight. Is that cool? You guys with me? Sweet. All right. As I was developing um, the idea of freedom and refuge and asking God um, really what he wanted to say, he gave me a picture. Now, God speaks to me in pictures, and they're pictures that my friends would call weird analogies, bizarre, whatever you want to say. God speaks to me in the the most random pictures. And so the picture he gave me um, for tonight was um, of a crab. So meet Fred. We're going to hear all about Fred tonight. He considers himself to be a creature of habit, probably much like some of us. Um, He doesn't know it yet, but he's about to teach us a few things about life. And uh, Fred is the real MVP. So thanks, Fred. He's going to be our example for the night um, because crabs are super cool. Do you guys know that? Crabs are so cool. All right. You're about to find out why. You're about to find out why. All right. First thing I want you to note about Fred. Oh, gone for a little run. Um, Fred's exoskeleton, which is that little, that little outside piece. So we have an isoskeleton. Okay, means it's on the inside of us. Fred has an exoskeleton. For tonight, that is going to represent our identity. And I don't mean identity in light of um, personal attributes or character traits, none of that. What I'm talking about is attitudes, beliefs, values, familiar knowledge, ideologies, learnt moral compass, hurts and scars. That's our identity. Some big ones up there, so prepare yourselves. Hold on to your seats. Um, the second thing that I want you to know is that Fred's exoskeleton is removable. It comes off. And when it comes off, Fred is still Fred. An interesting parallel in light of what I just shared with you. So, Fred is Fred without his shell. He isn't his shell. He can live without it, which is pretty cool. Do you guys like crabs yet? Yeah, great. All right. If he does take it off, he becomes a lot more vulnerable, and he's definitely at risk of being hurt, but he's breathing, and he's alive. All right? Everyone say, he's breathing. He's alive. Praise the Lord. All right. Okay, stop now. You sound like the children. All right. Thirdly, Fred knows that he must shed to grow. He knows that the process is uncomfortable, but he also knows that his body knows exactly what to do. He trusts it. He trusts the process. Everyone say, he trusts the process. He also knows that if he wants to run freely, he has to get rid of the old shell every now and again. Oh, boom shakalaka. Okay. (laughs) All right. We are more than our learnt identities. Not more than our identities, we are more than our learnt identities. This is things that we have journeyed through what I was explaining before, familiar knowledge, experiences, journeys, memories, all of those things that make up who we are to this point, that's our learnt identity. So I'm not talking about your personality traits, I'm not saying you need to get rid of the loud Ashley, because everyone loves loud Ashley. I am not saying that you need to um, get rid of shy, shy Kathy. not asking for that, okay? I am saying that these are our learned identities and that we can survive without them. Oh, yeah, big one. All right. 
It doesn't matter whether or not Fred has a brand new exoskeleton or is midway through shedding one. One of the cool things about him is that he constantly knows where his refuge is. He knows where to bury himself. He knows where to hide in order that he is safe. And he actually lives from that place and then comes out. He doesn't just scurry back into those places when he's scared. He lives from those places and comes out. After having surveyed his territory. So, Fred's pretty cool, eh? I like him. This brings us full circle to our phrase that I began with, which is um, that we cannot best occupy freedom if we do not first know familiar refuge. Fred knows his refuge, and so he can run around freely. He also knows that in order to run freely, he has to shed his shell. That's what we've learned so far, right? So, how does that present itself to us? Are some of you feeling a little lost? Oh, good. Okay. So, what's that? Oh, you've got rid of your shell. Okay, so we're going to look back at this one. Fred's exoskeleton equals our identity. So, um, I do, I do want to repeat, even though I've said it a couple of times, this is not our character traits or our personality traits. I think it's really important that you catch that because I'm not saying tonight you need to go and move on from those things. I'm not, not asking a shy person to jump up and start speaking next week, all right? Because with Phil sitting there, it's pretty nerve-wracking. So I'm not going to ask you to do that. We're, we're, we're addressing some of those things that we've learnt. Everyone say, learnt identities. We have picked these up along the way. And they are often justified by the statement, this is me. Take it or leave it. A sore point for some. Because when someone starts to poke at at one of these things, or when we start to feel a little threatened, it's too easy to say, this is me. Take it or leave it. And I wonder if Fred's caught something that we quite haven't yet. And that in order to grow and in order to live, he actually has to regularly let go of and shed those identities. Regularly. This is, man, you can imagine, like, for, for me this week, this has been a really hard, the last couple of weeks has been a hard thing to, um, to speak on this because... Um, I'm 24, like I'm not done going through this process, (laughs) no one's ever done going through this process, and it's personal, it's actually hard to look up there and say maybe my attitude has to change, maybe my beliefs aren't in line with with, with Christ, maybe my values don't line up with the word, maybe my familiar knowledge is actually not truth, maybe my ideologies are shaped by the world and not by the church, maybe my moral compass wasn't pointing true north, and maybe my hurts and scars need to be let go of instead of hung up in the mirror. It gets personal. I do want to be careful um, as I broach the subject because I'm well aware that just as Fred is connected to his shell, we are very connected to our identities. This is not an easy subject. Um, And they do make up our identity, for better or for worse. Those things that we're carrying do become a part of us. So I'm going to talk about me for a second here. 
um, and, and bring it back to a personal level. Um, so as I was thinking today, even I didn't really want to share this because it is a vulnerable thing for me to share, but a pattern that I've noticed in my life, which is not unknown to people in this room, is that I really struggled to put my roots down. I grew up in a family where we moved every couple of years. We moved countries three times. Um, I very quickly learned how to have superficial relationships that looked like deep ones. And I very quickly learned how to close myself off just enough that leaving didn't hurt so much. So when it came time to settle... (laughs) And God called me to New Zealand, and um, I came over here. There was, there was a real um, battle internally for me to move into the next shell, a huge one. I fought it so much <laughs> because all of a sudden I landed in this country having, like, I, w- I was thinking, when I left Canada, I was thinking, like, I'd be here for a year. And God, over that year, started to um, root me in this land and told me that this would be my home base. And that was really hard. I'd left my family behind in Canada. Um, I'm the oldest of my siblings, so I really struggled with that even, that I was letting them down or that I was leaving and they didn't have someone to look up to. Um, And I did not want to put my roots down. It was a pattern or a value that I held because of my past experiences. Now, it wasn't wrong. It wasn't, um, it wasn't detrimental growing up. But all of a sudden, when God asked me to start getting ready to change shells and to grow a new one, I didn't want to let go of that. Because it was easier to walk with it than walk without it. I didn't know. I didn't know how to I didn't know how to put roots down. I didn't know how to settle. I didn't know how to do those things. And I think that's a hard that's a hard journey. However, the pattern was not who I am. Just as just as Fred Shaw is not who he who he is. For a time it was necessary to survival and the pattern had its purpose, but it's no longer necessary. In fact, now not only is it not necessary, but it's now making me unhealthy. So, so what once used to protect me and what once was a value that I held in order to save myself now became the thing that was killing me and crippling me from the inside out. And I wonder if we need to address some of these things more often than we would like to. <laughs> Because the, the, the reality is we can't grow without changing shells. That's the thing about Fred. He, he literally cannot grow without changing shells. We cannot grow without leaving some of our old identities behind and picking up new ones. Something that got really highlighted to me in this process was the, the critical nature of shell shedding. And, and a phrase that he said to me was that Fred will die if he cannot shed. And I was like, oh, that's rough. All right. Get thinking. Oh, hang on a second. If he can't grow and he can't eat anymore because he's too big for his current shower, he does literally waste away. And, and I know it to be true for myself. If I cannot physically take in any more 
will grow any more internally because my external self is too restricted, I waste away. And God doesn't want that for us, ever, ever. We have a choice. We totally have a choice in, in how we approach this, whether or not we say yes to growth or no to growth, but understand that saying no to growth means wasting away for however long that lasts. So, how do we recognize whether or not we're in a shell that is too small? I came up with some um, symptoms. Fred gets symptoms, like I said. He can't eat anymore. Oh, he can't eat anymore. He starts getting lethargic. He, he doesn't have any motivation. Um, and they notify him that his body's about ready to go through a shedding process. All right, so these are some symptoms that God really um, highlighted to me when we as people start to feel like we need a new shell. So, itchy feet, that's my big one, right? My pattern is to move all the time, to leave whatever I was doing, jump up, go find a new place, find some new people, love it there for a couple of years, all right? Easily frustrated, is your spiritual appetite waning? Have you, are you feeling like you can't take any more of God in? Are you overly emotional? Do you have strained relationships? Are you feeling isolated? Do you have a loss of motivation? Do you feel restricted and confined? These are not bad symptoms, these are just symptoms, all right? This is, this is actually the point where nothing bad's happening right now. This is our body, our spirit, saying it's time. Prepare yourself. Where's your refuge? Do you know where you're going? Do you know who you're walking with? Do you know that what you're about to walk through is incredibly vulnerable? Because you need to know the whisper of Jesus in this space more than any other time. These aren't bad. And we read them as bad. We read that we, we get stuck in this like mental block where we say, oh, I'm feeling isolated, so oh, I must be lonely. We, we go into the, to this weird like mental space where everything all of a sudden starts to add up as these bad things, when actually God's over here like, oh, well, maybe it's time to let go of some of your old identities in order to pick up some new ones so that you've got some wriggle room again. Because when you've got wriggle room, you feel a lot more comfortable and God gets to do cooler things with you. A good friend of mine wrote a song not so long ago, and one of the lines is um, hidden in the palm of his hand. And it was one of those magnetic lines, a line that stopped me in my tracks when I first heard it, for all of the things that hands are, which sounds funny. A father's hands are protective, skilled in the art of provision, and mastered in the art of securing a hand much smaller than his own. And a mother's hands are gentle, skilled in the art of caring, and mastered in the art of soothing. I recognize God as the creator of both, the author of both, and the beholder of both. So when I read the line, hidden in the palm of his hand, sorry Stu, that's my bad, I clicked the slide. I couldn't imagine any place better. It speaks to Psalm 23. This is that place where I think, I think David was talking about those hands. 
that nothing, nothing could go wrong in those hands because you literally have the author of creation holding you and he rebukes fear and death in those hands. So how could they attack you? When you are in that place, standing next to him, your hand in his, fear doesn't have a place there. And those symptoms rob us so quickly because fear gets in our heads of what this could possibly mean or what we could possibly be walking. And I don't like change. And if I don't like change, it must be a bad thing. And God's like, are you joking? We go through this every dang time, and then every dang time you come out on the other side and you say to me, it's cooler over here. Well, no, da. He knows that. We need to stop reading those symptoms as bad things and start putting ourselves into a position where we know our refuge and we live from that place, and when we're in that place, we will not fear any evil. More than that, better than that, he makes us lie down in green pastures. I mean, that sounds beautiful. I love the grass. I'm such an outside person. There comes a there comes comes a point when we when we recognise that um, it's needed, and the longer you take to do that, the more uncomfortable it gets. <laughs> now, the cool thing about Fred is that while his old shell is getting ready to be replaced his new shell is literally growing underneath. His body has already prepared the new shell that he will inhabit. So in lots of ways, his new shell is actually more familiar to him than his old one. More familiar to his interior self. God has already been preparing us for, for these. He, he, like, these, are, these are just like telling us, by the way, your shell's ready. And we're over here like, oh my gosh, I don't know where I'm going to live. Lord, I can't breathe. I can't eat. I hate change. And he's like, well, um, hello. I've been like preparing a new thing in you. Hello. Here I am. Do you think I'm crazy? Do you think I'm silly? I've been preparing this in you. Man. Oh, yes. Thank you, Lord. Here's the thing that Fred does. This is a really critical part, okay? He, he, once he feels that his shell's ready to crack, he infills himself with salt water. He sucks in as much as possible in order that he can expand his body and crack it because he, he hasn't been able to eat, right? So he fills in. And I think this process is critical to us as people that we infill with living water because if we don't infill with Holy Spirit, we cannot crack off identity by ourselves. It does not happen. We need Holy Spirit. To, to, we need to take in everything. We need to remind ourselves of the words that God's spoken over our lives. We need to fill ourselves with his promises, his prophetic words, his word. We need to be in community. We need to be worshiping. When you start to do that, you start to suck in as much of him as possible, and all of a sudden, cracking that old identity off doesn't seem so hard anymore because you're so full of him that it doesn't make sense to live in that space anymore. And then when he cracks it off, he crawls out of these tiny gaps that are now way too small for him, and and he, he leaves it. He doesn't carry that with him. He's got his new shell. 
And it's now in the process of hardening. It's now in the process of becoming his new identity. All of those things that have been built in him over months are now his new identity. He lost a limb, it's growing back. That's a cool thing. How many of us like walk around with cuts down our backs and scars down our back and limbs lost because we refuse to deal with change and move into a new identity? Because here's the thing, God doesn't and hasn't ever designed for us to walk around like that. He designed for us an ability to have a transforming of self, a transforming of mind. We read that in Romans 12, transforming of mind. That means that I don't have to live in my old ways with my old excuses and my old limps. I mean, that's more exciting than a year good. Right? Am I the only one excited by this? Paul, Paul, we all know of Paul, right? He's, he's probably one of the first people I want to talk to when I get to heaven. I admire Paul so much. He is a man who went through shell change after shell change after shell change in order that he would remain the most in step with Christ that he possibly could. He literally went from being like one thing, covered in scars, bruises, broken legs, to a whole new creation. Why? Yeah, cool. Jesus like did his thing. That's awesome. But there was actually also an attitude shift on his behalf that said, I'm willing. I'm willing to let go of everything that I once knew in order that I'd be made a new creation. I can't imagine that would be easy. <laughs> I really can't. Philippians 3, 4, Paul, Paul literally says this, though I, though I myself have reasons for such confidence, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Paul is like, Are you, if I can do it, uh, it's time that you thought you could do it too. He had every reason, circumcised on the eighth day, the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness, it was based on the law. It was faultless. But whatever were gains to me now, I consider a loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowledge, of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. His values shifted. 180. And that, that, I don't doubt that that was easy, but I also don't doubt that he knew what his refuge looked like. I wonder how many of us are walking around in old shells in old identities. I wonder how many of us are not willing to go through the shedding process because of the fear of the vulnerability of it. Maybe if you rid yourself of your old shell, you wouldn't have excuses for your behavior anymore. I mean, that one hits me hard. You see, if Fred loses a leg, he walks with a limp. He has an excuse for not running so fast. He has an excuse uh, to not carry so much. And he has an excuse to hide more often. How many times do we get stuck in those old habits? 
walking around with a limp for an excuse. Because it is just an excuse. God never asked us to live without our whole lives. He said, I have a new, be- I have a new transformation for you. I have uh, a new revelation for you. I have new identity for you. So when, when we choose to live with a limp, we like to call that self-sabotage, don't we, Phil? Hey! <laughs> right? You are literally sabotaging yourself. You can't run as fast. You can't lift as much. You're going to get tired easier. You have to constantly overcompensate for your limb. Your lost limb. There ain't no limb there anymore. And God's like, hey, cool, um, but I have a whole new shell for you, a new identity for you, complete with a brand new leg, and you're scared to, you're scared to be there? Okay. Cool. <laughs> My limp is easy enough to justify. Like I said earlier, I struggle to put down roots. I struggle to um, have relationships that, that go deeper with people. But it's only an excuse for as long as I refuse the new shell. And it's only hindering me. No one else. I let myself down... Actually, I, I do let God down as well because he can't do as much with me if I don't change my identity. Imagine if Paul had said, Nat, <laughs> see you later. <laughs> I, I actually really like killing Christians. Okay, bye. <laughs> and God's like, but if you only knew the plans that I have for you, if you only knew how many people would read your stories hundreds of years from now, and think, man, he was, a, he was a man who knew refuge. He was a man who knew promise. He was a man who knew identity that was rooted and foundational in the word of God. And I don't want to get 10 years from now and wish that I had shifted shells 10 years ago. Are you ready to let the old go in order to represent Jesus best to the crowds? Because when we don't, we're one less person that Jesus gets to move through. I don't want to be responsible for 50 people not getting to heaven. It's true, right? If what, if what people notice about me is my exoskeleton, if what people notice about me is my shell, and my shell is bruised and battered, and I've lost limbs, and I don't look so colourful anymore, and I'm covered in algae, and I'm covered in crap... I'm not entirely sure how people see Jesus best through that. As we wrap up, I do want to say, sorry, I do want to say one thing. We don't dictate the timeline of shell changing. That's not us for, for, for us to choose. It's our responsibility to position ourselves from a place of refuge and freedom in order that when God whispers to us, it's time, we're ready. It's not my responsibility to go hunting down all my ghosts and all my old things and all my memories and all my hurts and scars and to deal with them. That's not up to me. Because if I start doing that, I start hurting myself a bit and I start feeling too overwhelmed with how much there is to deal with. We let God do that. My responsibility is to walk with him. Just the way that 
just the way that David described. We cannot determine the time at which we should be breaking off old, old identities. We can't. We just need to position ourselves and regularly check where our hearts are. Do we understand what refuge with the Father looks like? Does my daily life feel like I'm laying down in green pastures? It's a pretty good, pretty good indication. Does it feel like God's leading me beside quiet waters? Another good indication. Does it feel like fear is surrounding me? Probably another good indication. And if those things are representing themselves in your life, then maybe it is time to ask whether or not you know your refuge and whether or not you live from there or whether or not you run to there. I think, I think God always wanted that for us. In fact, I know that. He never wanted for me to live in a mountaintops and valley zone. He doesn't want me to just run to him when I'm feeling weary and he doesn't just want me to praise him when someone gives me a house. Right? Because that's the way that we do things with him. It's way too easy to get into that rut. You either need something or someone finally gave you something. And God's like, "Mm, I'm asking you to live from a place of refuge, from a place of freedom, not attain to freedom and not to refuge. As we close, I want to leave you with this. A couple of questions that... um, are up to you to answer. Um, I'm going to answer them myself and I pray that they'd be questions that wouldn't leave you feeling far from the Father but instead encouraged to get into his arms. Is there a belief, value or principle that you're holding on to in your life that is limiting what God wants to do through you? Remember that's our identity. Those values, beliefs and principles that we believe are us. Is there something that God has shown you that needs to change that you still struggle with? For me, that was putting down roots. Is there an experience that you're hanging on to that is now weighing you down and slowing you down that God's actually asking you to let go of? I don't by any means suggest that this process is easy because I know know (laughs) that it's not. But I also know that it's critical to my wellness and to my journey with God that I put myself in a familiar position with him, so much so that when he whispers to me, Ash, it's time to breathe in all of me that you can, that's exactly what I'm doing. When he whispers to me that value needs to change or that ideology doesn't line up with what I've said, I don't respond with this kind of, arched back or fear response I say okay so tell me the process we are going to worship for a little bit and um, I do want us to remember this phrase hidden in the palm of his hand is this is this where you find yourself or do you feel lonely and lost and, and out of touch? Because those, those aren't bad things to feel all of those things. At least you know you're feeling them. This is your chance to get back into that space with him.
The other thing that I really felt God was saying is that in this space of worship, um, the altar is open always. I'd love to pray with you. If there's, if there's um, change that you're struggling with or, or you're just not quite sure where God's leading you, I, I would love to pray for that. But I would also love to um, prophetically declare some things over people that don't have promises that they can remember. If, if you feel like you've never had a prophetic promise from God, I want, I want you to come up. Because those are the things that we infill ourselves with. Those are the things that remind us to get back into his space, back into his green pastures. If you haven't had that, I would love to stand with you. I'm sure Phil and Kathy would love to stand with you. Those are the things that I find are the easiest to hold on to. When everything feels super crazy and change feels too big, it's, it's those promises that remind me of where I'm going. And this is just a step in getting there. Yeah. Let's worship.